Hey everybody, welcome to That Will Never Work. This week, my guest in the show is Benny Boaz, the founder of Upright Education, a bootcamp style offering aimed at helping adult learners rapidly reskill in tech. Their curriculum's currently white-labeled at select colleges, but growth is slower than Benny expected. The market changes so fast, shouldn't it be self-evident the workforce needs to be able to reskill just as fast? What could he be doing better to try to get institutions and learners on board? Well, let's dig in. Hi, I'm Mark Randolph, co-founder of Netflix and six other companies. Over the years, I've heard that will never work thousands of times, but I've learned there are things we all can do to increase the chances that they will. So join me for That Will Never Work. Welcome to the podcast, Benny. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. Um, well, first of all, huge fan of the show. Uh, love the book as well. Um, and really happy to be here. That's fantastic. So what I'd love you to do to start this off is um, I've gave the scantest of idea that you're maybe working on something in education. <laughs> so what I'd love you to do is tell me what the problem is you were trying to solve, um, what you're doing, what progress you're making, and then yeah. maybe you can kind of segue into what it is you want to talk about today. Great. So at Upright Education, uh, we partner with higher education institutions, so colleges and universities, to provide accelerated training programs in technology. So um, these are called technology boot camps. And what they do is they um, essentially are sort of a one-stop shop. They're a short form course or program that a student enrolls into. They're very intensive. And the purpose of these programs is to help adults or um, new learners find their first job in tech or start a career in tech. So it's essentially teaching very uh, new beginners or folks with low to no technical skills, all the skills that they need um, to then go out and get their entry role in um, a tech job like uh, sales or UX design or software development. So uh, these are done for the students, the existing students of these institutions, or are these run as like adjunct things that are for the community? Yeah. So uh, great question. So as we all oh, know, during uh, COVID, uh, <laughs> um, you know, higher education institutions definitely took a hit in terms of their undergraduate enrollment. Um, so uh, what what really was interesting to find is that there's a new market of adult learners that's been emerging from uh, for the last 10 years. And those are folks who are sort of people who need like a second chance at a career. Um, these are people who are underemployed. Maybe they went to college and graduated and now working in a job that they don't like, or they're unemployed and they can't find work, or maybe they never even went to college. And um, they don't want to go back to school. Like they don't want to go and take another four-year course or take a two-year master's degree to then reinsert themselves into the job market. So um, this is essentially a course that's run through the continuing education departments of an institution or through what you'd call like the non-credit um, side of a school. So uh, in community colleges, that'd be called workforce development. Um, and in higher education institutions like universities and um, colleges, four-year colleges, those would be called um, the continuing ed or professional ed department. So, yeah. So, so maybe I'm misunderstanding, but that exists. I mean, I, at least it does in, in my community. I live in Santa Cruz County and I get those flyers in the mail all the time about continuing education, all kinds of courses, you know, flower arranging and organic gardening. And I got to imagine there's people who are also teaching tech skills. They are. But the thing is, is that 
um, they're they're sort of bundled, right? So you would need to take um, maybe like an intro to web development course on top of a programming course on top of a backend course just to learn all the skills that you need to be a web application developer. Ours is um, sort of this all together uh, one stop program where you not only get the technical skills, but you also get uh, in uh, technical career coaching as well as professional um, real world experience by working with real employers throughout the course so that when you graduate from the program, you're job ready. So it's not, it's a little bit different than some of the training courses you might get at a college because these are very intensive. So those courses might be anywhere from like 20 to 60 hours. These courses are 480 hours. Yeah. Oh, which ones? Your courses are yeah, 480, 480 hours? hours. What is a standard, if I took a course for a semester, how many hours is that? For a four credit course, let's say, um, it could be anywhere from 12 to 16 hours per week. So for about 15 to 17 weeks, perhaps. So um, that's about, you know, 160 to 180 um, hours. Um, and that's just for a four, four credit unit. But yours is, but for, yours is a lot of hours. Yeah. Huge amount of hours. Ton. Wow. So it's dramatically different type of education, uh, I think. It is. It is. Um, the type of education we provide is training. Um, it's not necessarily uh, college based. It's, it's very different from your average college course, right? Your average college course um, is sort of a one off. You take it and you learn maybe a little bit about this and a little bit about that. Um, but you don't necessarily get all the skills that you need to then just get a job right after. So um, this is a very intensive program. So as you can imagine, this is for very high intent learners, right? These are people who already really know they want a job change, but they don't want to go back to get a degree to do that. Um, so it's a lot shorter than going back and getting a whole nother degree in computer science. Yes. But it's a lot longer than saying I can just do an after work class for an hour or for a few weeks. Yeah, that's correct. So okay. um, the thing is, is that if you are going to go, uh, if you're going to go to one of our programs, it's either 12 week full time. So it's full time. That's 480 hours full time, 12 weeks. That's 40, 60 hours a week. Um, and if it's part time, it's 24 weeks, but it's somewhere around 20 hours per week. And these are all live online. So in the classroom, you have you know, an instructor, a couple TAs, as well as a career coach, all in a classroom with peers together learning online in a live setting. Wow. Okay. This is very dramatically different. Uh, yeah. And I thought I'd be able to just <laughs> kind of quickly move on from this piece, but if I, <laughs> to understand it. So when you say live online, yeah. so basically I would sit down with my fellow students, yeah. my TAs, but we would actually not be taught in the class we'd be watching it online is that no so like imagine you're on a zoom call right and you're yep. with all of your colleagues but yes. instead of being on a zoom call for work you're on a zoom call learning in a classroom oh okay yeah oh so live you mean it's happening real time with an instructor but it's real not, time it's not live in terms of the fact that i can like i am with you or i can reach out and no yeah. scuff up your brand new white <laughs> shoes um yeah so you there you can't you know it's not physically live in, in the same room but it's live as in it's instructor led so it's synchronous okay um, i totally get it yeah all right really different so yeah. uh, you are running this now it's going this is not just a dream but it's actually reality <laughs> yeah so um the the these programs what i just described is not like a new phenomenon uh they've been around for maybe over a decade now it's the tech reskilling boot camp um and they're really highly popular especially in a lot of, um, primarily in a lot of metropolitan areas where they first, these programs first started out. And the industry is actually 
was it's it's starting to mature quite a bit. Um, and uh, a lot for a long time, these programs have been operated by private individual operators, so for-profit companies such as um, some of the big ones are like General Assembly or Flatiron School, and um, you know these are lar companies that are you know venture-backed with large exits. Um, and but up until now or more recently, a lot, like I said, these are all individual operators, you know, pr providing these programs. Now colleges want to get on the action. You know, they're called their enrollments going down. They know that there's a whole new market of adults that need to learn new skills. It's predicted by, by 2030, um, about half of the U.S. working population are going to need to learn new skills just to keep pace with what employers need. And colleges know that. So they're like, how do we get in on this? You know, but these programs are nothing similar to what colleges do. They don't run on a college semester schedule. They are, uh, you know, led by not faculty or adjunct faculty or professors. They're led by uh, industry professionals. They are, um, they are also uh, really expensive. You know, to run one of these programs, it can cost over $50,000 just to run one. Um, so for a long time, colleges just didn't play in the space. And now that there's such a need for digital skills and that this market has become so explosive, colleges want to get in on the action and we're helping them get there quicker and with um, industry leading programs. So in fact, I started one of these uh, companies. I started the first boot camp in the state of Vermont um, in Burlington, which I know you're familiar with. I am, right? Yeah. So um, what was really amazing about that experience was A that- Birkenstock camp is yeah. probably, it was more <laughs> closely more- uh, Yeah, Birkenstocks and dogs with bandanas. Right. Um, <laughs> Um, so how, yeah. how many of these are you running and how many colleges have adopted this? How many are there? Yeah. So right now we're partnered with about seven institutions. Um, we're in about over 20 campuses. Um, we are working with schools all the way from Tennessee to Maine, um, some big universities, some community colleges. Um, and you know, we're not, this isn't new to us. Like I said, I started one of the first boot camps in the East coast. Um, so these programs, um, have been around for a while. So we've been able to test essentially test them before the colleges get them. And we produced amazing results. You know, over 90% of our students were getting jobs right out of the program. On average, they're earning 40% more after the program than what they were earning um, in their salaries before the program. And um, yeah, we're, I'd say we're pretty damn good at what we do. So what can I help you with? Well, uh, so today, uh, what I'd love to get your thoughts on is we've been doing a lot of B2B sales, as you can imagine. Our entire organization exists to partner with colleges, and then they would offer these programs to their, um, through their continuing ed departments or workforce departments, and um, and then we are enrolling the students and teaching the courses, et cetera. But um, we built out a really great sales organization. But what we haven't done is built out a really good brand. You know, we haven't built out a lot of marketing around our brand. We haven't built out really any PR. In fact, this is probably the first you know high profile conversation that I've ever had regarding my company, and we're pretty we're starting to make a name for ourselves in the, in the industry so um as you can imagine i just don't know if it's even worth it right now like where do i put my focus you know we are in b2b you know in a b2b business business to business um you know you're primarily maturing relationships and nurturing those relationships through sales um and you're not focusing heavily on the brand but i feel like there's an opportunity for us to really make a dent in the space and become a leader um just through um, some of the work that we're already doing and uh, getting our marketing tight. So um, essentially, I just want to know, where, should we even be focusing on our PR? Should we be focusing on our brand? Should we be focusing on our marketing? And if so, how do we do that? So it's a, it's a really interesting question. And you're right. It's a really strategic question because the relationship that you have built with these uh, organizations is largely doing something that 
enables them. I mean, you said, quote unquote, they all, they all want this. The colleges want this. They want to have these programs. And what you're really doing, if I understand it correctly, is letting them use their brand uh, and extend it slightly into a different um, style of education. And so to the degree that someone needs to know your name, it's not the end user. Uh, they really don't care because as far as they're concerned, they're taking it from, you know, through uh, Colorado College or they're taking it through Arizona State or whoever it is you're working with. And to them, that's the brand. Um, and so the brand that you're worried about is when college administrators are thinking about, we might want to extend our program, um, who should we go with? Which is a much, much, much narrower, like you said, it's a business to business brand. So when you're talking about extending this, possibly investing time in people knowing who you are, do you mean with consumers or do you just mean having even more colleges know who you are? Yeah, so um, what we're really trying to do is um, is focus on our college partnership growth. We're trying to, for consumers at least, um, we're not really concerned with whether or not we are, you know, the known entity. It's the colleges that are, uh, like you said, um, sort of putting themselves on the front line. Um, but what we want to do is we want to we want colleges to think, okay, um, boot camps, all right, upright, um, like sort of like how colleges used to think, okay, textbooks, okay, Kaplan, right? So. What we're trying to do is we're trying to build a brand identity around our um, around our offerings that separates us from some of the some of the other players in the space. So um, that's that's fine, and that provides clarity. And in fact, I kind of think that's um, based on my limited understanding of what you're doing. Pretty appropriate. Um, it's certainly possible to have a consumer brand, um, and you know, in fact, uh, one of the organizations I've been with a long time, which is Knowles National Outdoor Leadership School, has a probably the preeminent wilderness medicine school uh, in the world. Um, and their model is they market to end users and partner with um, other organizations to host them. So they basically have a similar model, which is you would take a wilderness medicine, a wilderness first aid, wilderness first responder, wilderness EMT through Arizona State or whoever it is, but you're basically interacting with Knowles. Um, and then showing up at the Arizona State campus to do your program. Um, and that's effective for them. So, but the quick answer for you is, um, I know you said it's kind of exciting, actually, that you chose to talk about it here on the That Will Never Work podcast, but uh, it's a waste of time because although I do have a vibrant and fascinating, uh, uh, highly educated, uh, charming audience, um, <laughs> I'm not sure how many of them are college educators. Uh, and more importantly, uh, there is probably a very specific person at a university who makes the decision of who do I partner with. So now putting on my marketing hat, um, there's a couple of quick things, which is number one is uh, you probably already know, but I would uh, expect you to know who are the decision makers? How is this decision made? Where does it start? Where does it stop? Who blocks it? Um, and that knowledge is the critical thing to have. And I would say that's anytime you're trying to penetrate in a business to business setting. But education is a especially different beast uh, in terms of where the budget comes from. Who's the person whose pain point you are solving um, 
most. But that person may not be the person who has any budget, or may that be the person who, oh, I really need this, but I'm afraid curriculum decisions have to go through this committee or this board, or that's the dean, or that's the, and you have to go, all right, it's sophisticated and I know it. I know that in the community colleges, it's usually here, here, and here. State schools is here, here, and here. Private schools, here, here, and here. But I know who these people are. And then you've got to be speaking about your business in places where they are listening. Um, and I apologize to the few uh, educators who are, in fact, listening today. Um, this is a great program. You should do it. Um, but it's probably not the place. And, and again, I'm not of that world. But I'm going to put on my magic hat here and I go, I can see it. I can see a conference. I can see a conference about new trends in uh, education. I can see a place where the community colleges all gather to talk about latest trends. And your job is to be a speaker there. Mm. And you should be speaking at that conference. You should be talking about all the things you've learned about, about this. You should be positioning yourself as a thought leader in all the things that you started off by telling me about these trends and how, lo and behold, there is this new thing happening, which you may have heard about, but let me explain to you how it really works. Here's some of the traps you don't want to fall into. Um, here's how to run this kind of program. And you're not going up and tooting your own horn. Well, you are, but you're doing the, you know, the humble brag way to do it, which is positioning yourself as I'm the person who really understands the space. And by extension, they're going to say, wow, well, if we need... We think this could be an interesting one. This guy sounds like he knows what he's talking about. And his company probably is the place to do it. Mm. Well, I'm also going to put my hat back on and go, I imagine there's a few publications that cover the higher education, continuing education market. Probably called the Journal of Continuing. There's probably even a Journal of Continuing Education programs that take tons and tons of hours and are designed to help people get more money and a better job because they're so specialized. And you should be published in those publications. In other words, um, two simple, simple things. So number one is really know who the decision makers are that you have to influence. And number two, how do those people get their information mm. and put yourself um, right there? It is not easy, but I just having but speaking to you, you know, you're informed, you're articulate, um, you clearly understand the challenges of adding this new feature to them. And that's your job now is to educate the educators, which is tell them, why is this important? What does it do? How can it help you? I, f I feel your pain. I, that's my worst <laughs> Bill Clinton imitation ever. But really it's saying, I understand what you're up to, but, and then lo and behold, I have this solution here. Yeah. Um, I, and, uh, and that, as they say, that softens the ground for when you begin doing your uh, business to business sales that ends up being your lead gen for people who are inquiring of, and saying, I heard about this thing. I heard you speak at a conference. I heard you on the, uh, not on the, that will never work podcast, but I heard you on the trends in higher education podcast. Um, and so all these things, uh, maybe the investment is, uh, you start doing more, uh, targeted public relations. Yeah. Yeah, that's great advice, Mark. Um, you know, the one thing that's, uh, that's it, it, as you sort of hinted at earlier, which is very true about what we do and the nature of this industry, is it's quite complex in that the value proposition is kind of niche, right? It exists sort of um, 
in a deep understanding and an embedded knowledge of the industry itself and what colleges want, um, who those decision makers are, et cetera. So, um, you know, of course, um, communicating that is also a big problem, I think, for us, because, um, you know, we are we don't cost our for the college. It doesn't cost anything to partner with us. Right. It also um, they don't they're on, not on the hook for any minimum student enrollment or maximum. They can enroll one student per year or one thousand. And we'll partner with them all the same because we aggregate them into one live online classroom and then um, they get a certain marketing fee or a cut of every student that comes into the course through their um, through their college. So as you can imagine, the cell isn't necessarily the hardest cell in the world. I'm not asking you to open up your books and um, find some room for me in your budget, allocate that to upright and then, you know, be off to the races. What I'm asking is, um, do you want to get ahead of the future of work? Do you want to be in front of the new trending path in education. And what everything I just described to you, Mark, that's my business, right? That's my whole business. That's a lot that I just described to you. I just took a whole podcast, half an episode, to tell you about every piece of what works in our business and why it's so great um, and why a college should partner with us. But finding those, those key words, finding those, you know, those mic micro moments of communicating that messaging seems to be damn near impossible for me. <laughs> Well, I, I can tell you why. right now, um, you told me a lot of reasons why this is a great program for the end user. What's stuck in my mind is mm. the person who graduates will um, make more money, that they'll find a job quickly. And that's all wonderful. Okay. And you also told me that colleges want to be progressive and they want the And yes, the college president and the board will talk about that all day long. But fundamentally you haven't really nailed why they should do this. Enrollment is slipping. How does this help enrollment? Revenues are slipping. How does this help revenue? Your message to these people has to be dead on about the things that they fundamentally care about. Yes, you have to fluff it up and put the bows and put the bells and whistles about outcomes and all that crap because they're they don't want to be they don't want to go yeah i could make money um selling crack paraphernalia too <laughs> but fundamentally what you're really saying is here is a way for you to generate additional revenue or what you may care about even more is these people end up doing more things with you so the metrics that you're sharing with them may not be the 40 percent bump in earnings and the 80% placement rate, it could be that 73% of the people who take this course go on to take a different continuing mm. education course with you. The average revenue per student allocate is a $721 or whatever the number is. And the, uh, the, 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 the growth is dramatic. So for example, and again, my, my little marketing brain can't help but scramble on this stuff. You run a consumer, you find people, okay, who want to take this course. It must happen organically. Ask them, what college do you want to affiliate yourself with? Mm. And you just cut that college a check for $271.31. And when that check comes in, or you figure out who to mail it to, your clever <laughs> salesperson, you go, hey, I, I, have I have a student who affiliated themselves with you and they... I have the money for you sitting right here. Who do I mail it to? And they go, well, that was easy. And you that's go, oh, a lot more where that's coming from. All, all you have to do is put a blurb in the thing that this is available. There's, like you said, what you said before is very compelling. There's no overhead. There's no lift. 
And then if there is, you begin going through and chopping away all the red tape. If they go, we can't take the 271 unless someone's registered. And that, so figure out some different way to have, say, can I, okay, I'm not going to call them a student. They're an affiliate. They're, I don't know, but you solve the problems to get to the things that will make them open their eyes and go, this is pretty powerful. And if the problem is enrollment, how are you helping enrollment? Mm. The problem is revenue. How are you helping revenue? Um, and combine that with the things I talked about before, which is who do I speak to? Whose problem am I solving? Who has the decision-making authority to do this? Yeah. I love what you said earlier about the lifetime value of the student, right? Like just like, you know, the, the purchase, the coffee buyer at Starbucks, like how many times do they come back to buy that cup of coffee and how do we initiate that rep relationship from our programs, right? How do we be that first touch? Like, what is the, you know, what is the, you know, the lifetime value of one of our bootcamp graduates through these colleges? I, I really like what you said, because there is a, um, there is a prevailing, you know, ID, I think, and it's been, been so for a while, there's a prevailing thought in the education space, especially in higher education of the, um, the lifetime learner or the lifelong learner, sorry, right? Somebody who doesn't necessarily learn a skill, like a skill or a trade or, you know, attain knowledge once, but needs to come back as the field or as whatever job they're working in changes, they need to come back and change also. So they right. need to learn new skills. Um, and of course, as you know, from somebody who's run and built technology teams, that is um, an obvious, um, you know, that's an obvious uh, piece of training in the, in, in the tech talent pipeline for, for, um, for companies. And, you know, I, I would love to know that number. That number is like gold, what you just said. And that, that's such marketing genius. Well, good. I we'll call it a good idea. Yeah, it's a good idea. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, there is a global lesson here, which is that for a lot of businesses and yours is certainly one, you succeed through partnerships. Um, you've chosen a path where you I was going to say can't, but you, you know, you prefer not to do it on your own where it's more powerful if someone is helping you. Um, and there's a quid pro quo here and to be successful with a partner, you have to deal with their self-interest. They may find you a charming young man. Uh, they may say, I do care about the future of education. I, but fundamentally what is going to make them move? And, um, you know, I, when I talk about education, I describe it as one of the hardest markets in the world because it's so old, because it is so um, conservative, it's so slow to adopt new things. You have got to find some really, really powerful incentive for someone to want to do that. Um, and that's going to come from really identifying what's in their self-interest very, very explicitly, not just in a feel-good way, yeah. but a concrete, like you said. If you have proof that someone who does the boot camp comes back and does three more courses with them, um, that it's not, still not, may not be the, the thing that uh, swings it, but it will certainly help. Yeah. Anyway, I think this is, uh, I think it's great. I love what you're doing. You have great outcomes for the students. So you are not shilling something which is worthless. You have something that genuinely is going to help people. And I think genuinely people will be aligned with wanting to help you. Now you just need to be really, really clear um, how they can uh, 
benefit along with the students. Yeah. I just wish that there was more college educators on your who are in your audience. <laughs> that's right. We'll have to, figure, we'll have to figure out yeah. some marketing programs. That's uh, right. So those of you who have who know college educators, uh, clue them in. This is a good episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so listen, good luck. Thank uh, you. Um, really, and I would love to check in with you. You know, yeah. in, in uh, six to twelve months and see um, see how this goes because oh, yeah. I think you have some real potential here. Awesome. Well, thank you, Mark. Really My pleasure. It. Good luck. And um, thank you to uh, to everybody listening as well. Making change happen in the education industry, and in fact, any industry that's resistant to disruption, is a huge challenge. But nothing is impossible. I hope both Benny and you and your business are able to action my advice on how to drive change and growth for your business. Do you love hearing about the topics in this podcast? Well, why not take a read of the book that inspired it? The paperback edition of That Will Never Work is out now. Want to be a guest on my That Will Never Work podcast? Simply go to markrandolph.com forward slash guest to apply. Hilton Media Group.